Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. Sounds like that person should get off the motorcycle and come on in, doesn't it? Some, something going on out there, so hopefully they'll be safe. But glad to have everybody here today. Glad to have some visitors, some people returning who had been here a number of years ago. Uh, we're glad you're all here. Glad that those may be joining us either live or a little bit later uh, over the video through Facebook. Uh, happy Father's Day to those who were fathers. Happy Father's Day to those who had fathers, which is probably almost all of us, I would suspect. And also, happy Juneteenth as of tomorrow. Uh, the holiday relatively newly celebrated across the land, but what a great day to remember when the first step really toward eliminating the injustice visited upon so many of our fellow neighbors and citizens was beginning to be fixed. I say beginning. First step is to let everybody know you're no longer a slave, you were free. So happy Juneteenth as of tomorrow. We're going to be continuing our study of it all adds up from 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be on the third thing today. Uh, add to your faith, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, add to your faith virtue. So we need to know that God is real. We need to know that God is there, that God loves us, that God sent his son for us even while we were sinners. And in addition to that belief, we need to start adding other things to it. Last week we talked about virtue, but the real meaning of the word translated virtue is this idea of excellence doing your best to become your best to fulfill your purpose. And remember we said that word that's translated virtue makes you think of moral thoughts, but it was used for regular everyday things last week, such as a field that's growing full of grain. It was said to have been with this word, arete, in the original. It had fulfilled its purpose. It was more or less a perfect field living up to what it's supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to know God is real and how that impacts our lives. And then we're supposed to become the kind of people God wants us to be. This morning, we're adding the idea of knowledge. We talked about faith and needing to know some things, but we've got a different word, a different idea here this morning we're going to look at. So we're studying all these qualities we're supposed to possess. Do we have them? Do I have them as a member of God's family? Do I have these qualities? Do I possess these qualities? Do they describe me? Do they describe me? Well, what does God want his children to be? That's a pretty important question. If I'm a member of God's family, if I'm one of God's children, what does he want me to be? If you have children, you have this idea in mind of what you would like your child to grow up to be. It's hard to do that when they're in a, a stroller, right? They've got a long way to go before they can really become what you want them to be. God wants us to grow and wants us to become different five years after we are members of his family than five days after we become members of his family. Five years, 10 years, 15. We should grow, mature, and develop. And it's these qualities that are in 2 Peter chapter 1, 5 through 7. God wants us to possess. We keep adding to the list. We're going to do that one quality every week. This morning, let's dive into this idea of knowledge. Dive into this idea of knowledge. Add to your faith, virtue, becoming the best you can be, fulfilling your purpose, this idea of excellence in doing your best, 
and add to that knowledge, to our faith in God and our courage, our pursuit of excellence, we need to add knowledge. Once again, we need to ask, what do we mean by knowledge? It helps if we know what we're describing. Otherwise, we simply say, oh, yes, yes, I'm supposed to add knowledge. And we don't really learn anything. We just repeat it back. So knowledge about what? Well, let's see. Let's take a look. Add to your faith virtue and virtue, virtue knowledge. There were two similar words used to describe knowing things in the original language. Knowing things in the original language. One of them was this idea of Sophia. Wisdom. You may know a young lady named Sophia. That's become a relatively uh, popular name. It mean, meant wisdom in the original. This was the knowledge of things in an ultimate way, both human and divine. Somebody usually is said to have a lot of wisdom most of the time when they are older. It seems fairly rare for a young person to be described. That's a very wise 10-year-old. In fact, that may be the first time that sentence has ever been said in the history of, of humanity. To say that was a very wise 10-year-old. We gain that over time. We learn things that really are kind of ultimate answers to things. Well, it's the knowledge of first causes and of deep and of ultimate uh, answers to questions. That is not, that is not the word used here. So we're not talking about wisdom. Add your faith wisdom. Add your not faith virtue, your virtue wisdom. That's not what's being talked about. Knowledge. So what are we talking about? The word used here is much more related to practical knowledge. Practical knowledge about how to live our lives. Practical knowledge. Rather than things described in a philosophy department somewhere at a university. It's the ability to apply to particular situations this knowledge that we should be gaining as we become more and more wise in living for God. It's the knowledge which enables us to make decisions properly and honorably in the day-to-day -day circumstances of life. How will I react in circumstances tomorrow? We're not going to be gathered here tomorrow. We're going to be scattered about. And each of us will be presented with circumstances that require us to respond, require us to react, that require us to make take action. How do we decide what to do? Somebody comes up. Am I nice to them? Am I mean? You know, we, we decide different things. How do I decide? How do I know how to respond in different situations? To faith, then, needs to be added courage and effectiveness. And to courage and effectiveness need to be added to this practical wisdom to deal with life. Now, today is Father's Day. We talked about that. And it's one of the days when if you happen to be a father, you typically want to see something like that somewhere in your future. In case you don't know what that is, that is cake. I happen to like cakes, I happen to like cookies, I happen to like pies, I like a lot of that kind of stuff. But this is no ordinary cake. This is not a cake bought at the last minute from Publix, okay, which has that same frosting that's on every other cake. That is one fancy dancy cake, if I don't say so myself. In fact, this is a recipe, a cake made on one of the TV shows that's been popular. You may not have seen it, but it's the Great British Baking Show where these British people talk about things I've never heard of. I mean, what exactly is a Genoese sponge? I, who knows? Uh, I'm lucky enough to even recognize a Betty Crocker cake box if it's in the, the grocery store, much less be able to make it properly. So they're talking about wild and fancy things. I mean, look at that thing. It looks like honeycomb, chocolate honeycomb of some kind on the top. Different layers. I imagine that's crunchy. It looks like nuts on the outside. Yeah, I'm making you hungry, aren't you? Matt wants some cake, I can tell. Cakes, cakes for Matt. Well, if you're going to make this cake, and again, 
this is a fancy cake, right? These British people are the best amateur British bakers and they're trying to make it and not everybody's gonna succeed, much less, I suspect, you and I. You may be a master baker, so I'm gonna to talk to you afterward because I like this cake, I really would. But wait till you see even the list of ingredients. Look at that. The instructions they were given were bake a marjolaine, that apparently is the name of the cake. Layers of nutty meringue, praline buttercream, and chocolate ganache. I don't know what language that is, but it doesn't seem like English. And for the tacoese, whatever that is, 125 grams of blanched almonds. Blanched. Seems like she was somebody on a mod TV show or something like that, wasn't it? Blanched. You got all these different ingredients. I mean, castor sugar. I mean, who in the world knows what that is? I'm not even going to ask. Somebody here probably knows what some of those things are, but I don't want to embarrass you by asking you to raise your hand because this is stuff most of us don't have any clue what it is. If you were going to try to bake this, this is not what I would call the practical knowledge to be able to make it. This may be an end of life kind of cake, right? If we're applying this to the idea of how we grow as members of God's family, this is the kind of thing God might look for us to hopefully be trying to make of our lives near the end of it, after we've had a lot of years to grow and mature. Right off the bat, I probably need to know how to find some eggs to put it in the Betty Crocker mix. So we're not talking about this kind of knowledge. We're talking about an easier, if you will, recipe for how I grow and learn how to make decisions. And so, what I'd like to ask you to do today, I think on the back of the handout, if you don't mind me, turn the handout around so I can see it back. There's a little bit of space on the back of the handout. I, if, you, if, you have this, if you're so inclined, have the opportunity, if you've got something to write with, I want you to make a list of things that would be in the recipe to make better decisions. Things that would be in the recipe that would be practical knowledge designed to help me do better tomorrow than maybe I did yesterday. Think of it again, as I say, as a recipe for being a better Christian. And it doesn't have to be in this kind of detail because we'll see pretty quickly a lot of different things that you could write down in a recipe to be a better you, to be a better member of God's family, a better follower of Jesus. So let's see. Let's take a look. This practical knowledge gained through experience, gained through our pursuit of excellence and becoming the person we're supposed to be. There are, of course, some intellectual things we need to know. We need to know that the Father is God, that the Son is God, and that the Spirit is God. But Jesus doesn't want us hidden away in some office, hidden away, if you will, in some tower, some ivory tower somewhere where we don't interact. He wants us out and about, making a difference among other people. He wants us to apply what we know every day to make the world a better place and to point people to Jesus. Well, things like what? We're going to be in Romans 12 the rest of the morning. Because in the Bible I use, this whole section is entitled Practical Christianity. If you want a, a series of statements that could be thought of as a recipe for being a better me, being a better you, this is a great place to go. Look how it starts off. Let love be genuine. Right? Let love be genuine. Of course, don't fake it. 
If you're trying to fake loving somebody, then that's being a hypocrite. That's playing a part. So what, is, what do I take from this? Well, for one thing, I don't want to take from this. If I can't love you, then I'm going to hate you. You know, if I have to fake loving you, that's not this at all. We need to love people. We need to find ways to make it genuine. If you don't like somebody, it doesn't mean you have to necessarily be the best buddies ever. But what we're talking about here is if we're all children of God, then as brothers and sisters, we need to find ways to love each other and to let it be genuine. Develop a way to genuinely like other people and love people. Let it be genuine. Make it something that we focus on. Abhor what is evil. Be shocked about what is evil. Hate what is evil. Stay away from what is evil. It's abhorrent. Ah, you know, think about it that way, right? If something's evil, if something's not what God wants, if something is sinful, don't fall in love with that. Stay away from it. Run away from it. If you think in horror movies, right, some horrible thing has shown up, what do people usually do? Oh, you know, some evil creatures there. I need to hug this creature. I mean, they're going to run up. Oh, you're so... They're usually what? Running the other way. They are abhorred at what they see, this thing with seven heads or whatever it is coming after them. That's the way we need to be when we think of something that's evil. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. The thing to come up and, if you will, hug and hold on to are the good things, not the evil things. Why is it so many people want to keep evil things close to them? Why? That's not what we need to do. So think of the recipe. Find ways to have your love be genuine. Abhor, run away from things that are evil. Hold on to things that are good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Kind of what we said at the start of here. We're brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters may have disagreements. I have a brother, I have a sister. I think there's been at least one time we had an argument, right? That does happen, but you go messing with my brother or sister, you gotta mess with me. Why? Because I love them. We're family. Well, here's, again, another thing to remember. We're family. By becoming God's child, we have become brothers and sisters. I hope you all will love me. I need to make sure I love each and every one of you. That's what we're supposed to do as brothers and sisters. Think of so many things that would go away if we just loved each other as brother and sister. You wouldn't have competition. You wouldn't have trying to get into position. We're family. And family are supposed to love one another with brotherly affection. That's a real important item on the recipe. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know, she's not here today, but Miss Betty, I think, probably may help me out. Miss Betty is the most wise woman who's here. I'm using wise here as a, a word for something else that I won't say out loud, but she'll track me down. She is the most wise woman in the congregation. I honor her because of her accomplishment in living for God all these years. Let's outdo one another in showing honor and preference and love for one another. Make that what we are in a contest for. 
is to show more love and honor for each other and make that, oh, you got me today, you know, that kind of thing. Outdo one another in showing honor for other people. Do not be slothful in zeal. The, the main word for zeal is this idea of boiling hot. If you think of something you see on a recipe or a, a, a menu, it may say that this is zesty, right? If you go to get some Mexican food or something like that, you know, it's the ultimate habanero sauce. And you're like, is this hot? And it's got a little word by it, zesty. It means it's boiling, it's on fire. And if you eat that stuff, you're going to be on fire. We need to have zeal. We need to be on fire to do good. Don't be lazy about it. You, you remember the sloth? I saw a cartoon once, right? Usually you think of chickens crossing the road, <clears throat> you know, or I've seen a cartoon that shows a dog crossing the road, and as soon as he makes it, okay, Rusty's in the club, because Rusty managed to get across the road. I saw another one that showed a sloth crossing the road, and it said that Sam was in for the worst four hours of his life, because it takes him four hours to go across the road. We can't be slothful in being excited and intense for doing good. Of all things, this is not where we should kick back and relax. Do not be lazy in zeal. But instead, if you will, be fervent in spirit. This is a, an odd word, fervent. I mean, have you used that this week? I haven't. But the whole idea is to be intense. To be intense about something. It's going to be our primary focus. It's going to be right here all the time. I need to be intense in the spirit of loving and in the zeal for doing good. I need to be wanting to live my life for good. And the way I do that is by serving the Lord. We serve God as we serve and love one another. We can rejoice in hope. Right? When things don't go well, we need to rejoice in the Lord always, as Paul says, and again he says rejoice we need to rejoice in the hope that we have, that when we lose somebody, as we have here at Lindsley Avenue and Tommy most recently over Friday night, we can rejoice in the hope of knowing that that is not the end. It's not. I can be sad, but I can rejoice in the hope knowing that this is not the end. I can be patient in tribulation. I'm going through some tribulation right now. Great example of patience and hanging in there-ness. That's a, that's a good word. Hanging in there-ness, right? Sometimes things go hard. They're hard. They go bad. They go tough. They're difficult. Patience, in part because we know this is only temporary and it is not the way things are going to remain. Be patient in tribulation. One way to do that is to be constant in prayer. Remember our theme for the year? Remember our New Year's resolution? In everything, give thanks. I had no idea at the time what a hard year it was going to be for that. In everything, give thanks. Be constant in prayer. Give thanks to God constantly, no matter what my circumstances are. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Sure. We can do that when the collection plate is passed around here in a few minutes, but it's much more than that. 
It's contributing to the needs brothers and sisters have. That can be with time. That can be with money. It can be by taking food. It can be by helping out around their house. Be involved in the lives of our brothers and sisters and seek to show hospitality. I would never limit that merely to brothers and sisters. Be kind to people. Hold the door for people. Tell people to have a great day. Talk to people about, well, isn't this a beautiful day God has made for us today? Show hospitality. Love strangers. That's what the word means. Because if you love somebody, that will never be a stranger for long. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Come on. Paul's writing here in Romans. Get a little hard now. Bless people who persecute you. Bless people who are seeking to do me harm, make life difficult for me. Bless them and do not curse them. I mean, if somebody does something bad to me, I typically, my gut feel is to do something bad back. Paul says, don't do that. Bless them. I don't know what they're going through. Maybe my, my response of being kind to them, they'll wonder, why was he kind to me? People have become followers of Jesus sometimes for far less than that. Rejoice with those who rejoice. When people have a good thing, it's okay to be happy. You know, when you become a follower of God, it doesn't mean you have to burn your happy card. It doesn't mean that to be a good follower of Jesus, you have to be sad and crying and, and in dismay all the time. It's okay to be happy with people. It really is. There are things to rejoice about. God wants his people to be happy. We're not to be sad here in this life so we can be happy in the next one. That's not the way it goes. Rejoice with those who rejoice at the same time, weep with those who weep. There's a lot of sadness. As we love one another, we will be happy when people are happy. We'll be sad when people are sad. Back to that previous thought, repay no one evil for evil. We give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Just because someone's ugly, evil to me, I don't fire back. Do the right thing. Do the kind thing, no matter what someone has done to me. You're making a list of things on the recipe. If possible, notice this. It's not, this is not a direct command. If possible, so far as depend, depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do the best you can do to be a peacemaker, even if people around you are not very peaceful. Be a peacemaker. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Somebody does something wrong for you. You notice he said this now a couple of times. Somebody's done something wrong to you. Do not take it on yourself to be a vigilante, to go out and fix things back on that other person. But leave it to the wrath of God. God will settle all scores. God is going to settle all things in the future. It's not up to me to go and settle the score myself. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. To the contrary, and this is a quote from the Old Testament, it's also one Jesus quotes himself. To the contrary, if your enemy, now notice, that means there are people that are going to be enemies. If your enemy is hungry, laugh and keep walking by. No, if you're in.
If he's hungry, feed him. If your enemy's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, that shouldn't be our motivation. I know the best way to get my enemy. I'm going to give him some water because then he's going to be really... No, that's not it at all. But what you're showing him is, no matter how you treat me, I'm going to love people. Because that's what God wants me to do. Again, people have become followers of Jesus for much less than that. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If you respond back to evil that's done to you in a way that's harsh, in a way that's angry, in a way that, let me just say, is evil, then you are stepping into the evil realm yourself. The way you overcome evil is with good. Good is going to win. It's going to win, so why step over, if you will, on the evil side of things? It's such an easy thing to do. We all feel that pull to do it when somebody's mean, or ugly, or evil to us. I think that's why it's said so many times in this little stretch, overcome evil, not with more evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a lot of hard things. That's a lot of hard things. Paul is asking us to do a lot of hard things in this practical knowledge for knowing how to live during the days of this next week, how to respond in situations. It's a lot of hard things to do. No one ever said living a Christian life is going to be easy. We're living in a world that has a lot of evil in it. Early Christians in the first and second century were also living in an evil world. No one ever knew when they went out to the market in the morning if they might come home or be drugged and arrested and sent to the arena late in the second century. Why? Because they were followers of Jesus. It's an evil world, but the way you overcome the evil world is with good, not by becoming evil yourself. To go along with the crowd, going along with the world, that's really pretty easy. Why? Because why should the world, why should the crowd seek to be mean or evil to you? Because you're just another one in the bunch. It's because Jesus calls us to be different. The word here, holy, to be godly, to be godlike, that Christians stick out many times in the world. And that's one reason the world, as Jesus said, hates us. So what's the recipe? I don't know what, if you wrote down anything at all, there was a lot of stuff. If you were going to condense the recipe, right, to get some condensed milk here, instead of a huge jug, you got a tiny little can. It's amazing how it all fits in there. If you were going to condense the recipe down of what you need to know to have practical knowledge, what would I suggest? I've said it many times here. Love God, love others, then we love ourselves. If I can remember that tomorrow and I can focus on responding this way tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, then I will have added to my faith, virtue, courage, excellence, becoming the best I can be. And I will have added the knowledge of how to respond in my day-to-day -day situations in a practical way. Is how I'm responding going to be showing love for God? Is how I'm responding going to be showing love for somebody else? 
Am I doing something that's actually not showing love for me? If I could just get my recipe down to those three things, then I'm going to have everything I need in order to become the kind of person God wants me to be. With our faith in God, with our commitment to be the kind of person we can be, the best we can be to fulfill our purpose of what God wants us to be, we need that practical knowledge to live like children of God. So my question this morning is, are you a child of God? This has all been talking to people who are already members of God's family. If you're not a member of God's family, please don't leave here today by staying with the crowd need to leave the world and become a member of God's family. Please listen to Jesus himself. In John 8, 28, he said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Luke 13, 3, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. If you don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, if you don't change your life from wrong to right, change direction, start walking back to God instead of continuing to walk away from him, and then Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's what Jesus wants someone to do to become a member of his family. I would urge you to do that today. If you're a member of his family and you just haven't been quite following the recipe as closely as you really ought to, if you need prayer because it's been hard in the tribulation to be positive, it's been hard to see the goodness in each day, we are happy to take you before God's throne as we all go to ask his blessings, not only on you, but on each of us. If there's anything we can do for you this morning, please, please come as we stand.